Debriefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences, and dreams. Hyperlearning is cognitive, behavioral, and emotional. Yes, hyperlearning is behavioral. It is how you think, how you listen, how you connect and relate to people emotionally, and how you collaborate. It starts with mindset. I'm starting at S, who is here with me today to chat about human adaptation in the digital era and continuous high quality learning and learning and relearning. Ed is professor of business administrator at Darner Graduate School of Business. Welcome, Ed, and thank you to be here with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I look forward to a, a wonderful conversation. Oh, likewise, it's my pleasure to be here with you. <laughs> So let's start and get straight in the core of the conversation. Why hyperlearning? What is hyperlearning? Well, hyperlearning is continuous high quality learning, unlearning and relearning. And the why is a good question. Well, we're on the leading edge of everyone knows the digital age. And what does that mean? Technology is basically going to change how we work and how we live. Technology is going to be embedded into every function in the workplace. And then humans are going to have the uh, option to have technology embedded in our bodies to enhance our bodies and our, our ability and technology through the create through connectivity, big data, Quantum computing is going to basically be creating new knowledge at a faster and faster pace. A lot of experts say that the shelf life of knowledge is going to be two to three years. And so what does that mean? What we think we know is going to have a short shelf life. We're going to have to constantly update our mental models, our stories in our head, which we tell ourselves as to how the world works. Well, first of all, we're not, those stories are not reality, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a few minutes. But we've got to continually upgrade our thinking, our way of being, just like we upgrade our computer, upgrade our iPhone, our iPad, any of our devices, okay? We get software adjustments, software improvements. We have to basically learn how to rewire ourselves. The other reason is automation. The best research out there basically says, and I'll, I'll use numbers for the United States since I, I, I have those at the top of my head, yep. 25 to 47% of the jobs in the United States are going to be automated within the next 10 years. Humans are going to have meaningful work if humans can do the types of work the technology can't do. And that's basically higher order thinking. We've got to be able to think differently than technology. It's emotional engagement with other human beings, all right? And then it's trade jobs which require iterative investigation, trial and learning, figuring out what the problem is, and then trial and learning, fixing the problem with lots of manual dexterity. Yeah. And, um, and so if you think about the type of learnings, though, in other words, what, what humans are going to be needed to do, it all comes down back again to our ability to learn, unlearn, and relearn to continually stay ahead of the game. Because the technology is basically on a track, if you will, to where technology ultimately will be able to do 
most thinking things that humans, critical thinking things that humans will be able to do, cognitive thinking things. It won't be able to do the emotional part, and that will ultimately be our uniqueness as human beings. So how do we become the most emotion, the best person emotionally instead of having our emotions control us, instead of letting our emotions run wild inside of us? Yeah, um, I remember when I was um, at university, no university, sorry, at uh, high school, when I was um, studying philosophy, um, and, and the teacher said that um, emotions are affecting our way of thinking, and, and we need to uh, actually um, think about our emotion before actually make a, a decision or, or take an action towards something. But um, very interesting that, um, that nowadays it's very important as well to, to build these capabilities and these, these mindsets to, to help us be more connected with, with people. And uh, speaking of a mindset, speaking of this um, way of thinking and rewiring our brain to think about that, um what's what's are the let's say what's are the toolbox what what is in the toolbox that we need to 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 rewire our brain yeah. well the model that i put forth is a model based on a hyper learning mindset hyper learning behaviors and then hyper learning daily practices daily things that we do to basically help us, if you will, achieve the result, which is basically meaningful work and meaningful relationships in a, in a, in a, in a digital world. And the hyper-learning mindset, I, I offer the reader, uh, uh, if you will, uh, 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 20, 20 something pages <laughs> of going back to ancient philosophy coming all the way through to modern times in neuroscience as to, by mindset, it's like, what is, what is our approach to life? How do, we, how do we, if you will, go forth? And there's two mindsets which I put out there called the uh, Carol Dweck's growth mindset, which basically says that we can basically learn as long as we're alive. In other words, the, the, some people think that, you know, I learn when I'm in high school or I'm in college and then I'm done with my learning because as I get older, I can't learn as anymore. Well, that's not true. We can always learn. And so the growth mindset is we can learn. So long as you're alive, you can learn if you do the work to learn. All right. And then the second mindset that I offer to the reader is called new smart. There are two big inhibitors to learning, human inhibitors. There's three, but there's two specific ones I'm talking about now. Ego and fear, mm -hmm. all right? The other one is the way we're wired, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But ego and fear. So I offer a new smart mindset. Most of us grew up in an education system where we basically were told we were smart because we made the highest grades in school. And when we were made the highest grades in school because we either memorized or remembered more than other people, we made fewer mistakes and errors, okay? So we have been raised based on a, a definition of smart, knowing more than the other person and making fewer mistakes. Well, in the, in the digital age, 
computers are going to know much more than we're ever going to know. They're going to be able to recall it very, very quickly, and they're going to recall it without making mistakes. All right. And so knowledge acquisition or knowing, okay, is no longer a good definition of smart. And new smart says, I no longer basically define myself by what I know or how much I know, but by the quality of my thinking, listening, relating, and collaborating, the quality of how I go about learning, all right? And that definition then frees me up. I no longer basically have my ego invested in, I know this answer, this is right. And when you basically say, well, my research shows this, Okay, if, if I, my ego's invested in what I know, I'm going to become defensive. I'm going to defend my territory. All right. I'm not going to be open minded. And, and, and more importantly, I'm not going to uh, affirmatively go look for disconfirming information. So the beginning of the mindset is we all can learn and we can basically learn new things no matter what our age. And two, let's define ourselves not by what we know or how much we know, because the computers are going to win. Let's redefine ourselves by our ability, okay, as I said, to think well, to listen well, to relate well, to collaborate well. And so why is all that listening, relating, collaborating in here? It's because the science is crystal clear. None of us can overcome the way we are wired you went back to our wiring. We can't overcome that by ourselves. And that the other key concept in the book is otherness. We need others to excel in the digital world at our highest level, cognitively, emotionally, and behaviorally. And and, and that, if you will, uh, you know, brings us brings us to the other question you ask, rewiring. We are wired to go out in the world and seek confirmation of what we think we know, affirmation of our ego, and cohesiveness of our stories about the world works. The science is clear. We go in the world, I go in the world, and unless I've rewired myself, I see what I believe. You see what you believe. And we can see different things out of all the stimuli that are out there. We can interpret things differently. I interpret things to confirm because our brain is basically a very small part of our body, but when it works, it burns a lot of energy. And so in some parts, we, we evolve this way to be energy efficient, all right? But in a world where technology is going to know more than we know from a facts viewpoint, etc. We've got to rewire ourselves so that we've got to go into the world and seek out the new, the different novelty. Yeah. Okay. We've got to have an approach of how to go into the unknown and figure things out. Right. That is going to be mission critical. We got to go actively seek information, which basically will make what we believe wrong. I mean, how many people say, I believe this? Okay, well, why do you believe this? A, B, C. Okay. What would make A wrong? Well, if this existed, did you go look for that? No, I didn't look for that. 
What would make B wrong? This. Did you look for that? No. Well, why don't you go look for that? I never thought about that. And that's the type of world. And you're an innovation expert, okay? And design thinking expert. Basically, the, the, the fundamentals and underlying design, design thinking is this, we need to approach the world differently than we're wired, okay? To be more exploratory, more open-minded. Yes and, not yes but. Build on ideas, all right? Yeah. Not critique ideas, build on ideas, all right? Try to put be able to manage what's going on inside of yourself where you're basically more open and, in other words, opaque in a sense that I'm all quiet inside. I'm not making up my answer when you're talking to me. Okay, I'm not figuring out why you're wrong. I'm really, truly listening and trying to put myself in your shoes as to what you see. And so everyone is going to have to be. Everyone is going to have to be competent. They won't be as excellent as you probably are because it's your profession. But everyone's going to have to be competent at going out there and being able to explore, to be able to discover and to be able to defer judgments, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I really like when you when you mention going out and explore, you know, going out and uh, the world nowadays is, is explore. It's been known um, only the ocean is and the, and the space and the only two space, two part of the, 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 the world that we know that are still to be explored. But we can still explore in our day-to-day -day life what you just said, our connection with other people, how we do things, how we question things. And, um, and do, do, you, do you think that, like, how are we being taught since um, elementary, primary school that what experts said is, is, is true? So then when we go out in, uh, in, the, in the world, because university, school, education is quite a safe space when you are there. But then when we go, when we become adult and then we go out in the real world we stop asking and questioning things because you know if someone said that that's that's the truth and then it seems to me that the mindset that we need to 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 embrace nowadays more than ever is actually going out and and question things and and you know if we believe it's something we need to actually dig deeper and deeper to see if our belief is actually true or maybe it's just a bias or is you know um a concept that has been given to us by others yeah i i totally agree with you and i think i think that in the new smart mindset that i that i put forth to the reader it, it has five principles and i talked about basically two two of them and one of them says i'm not my ideas i must decouple my beliefs, not my values for my ego. In other words, don't define myself by what I think I believe. I must be open-minded and treat my beliefs as a hypothesis to be constantly tested and subject to modification by better data. And you're exactly right. And what's so fascinating is, is we adults have got to become more like we were when we were young children. The research basically says, and it, you know, it depends on the parts of the world and education, but basically up to about age 10, children behave like we adults need to behave today children behave like you behave as a design thinker 
all right they're very open all right they don't they don't they're not fearful of mistakes they're explorers you know if you think about how you learn to ride a bicycle okay what's it what's a child do child goes up to the bicycle either someone holds it while he or she gets on or it's got training wheels they look at it they figure out how to get on you know the parent or friend or, or, or teacher says now pedal and they start pedaling what happens boom they fall over <laughs> They may cry, they may not cry, what happens? They get up, they dust themselves off. You say, yeah, try again. They get on and they go again. And they keep trying till they figure it out. About age 10, that starts changing because of schooling. We school that out of people because all of a sudden we gotta have, we gotta have testing. We gotta have ways of knowing who gets good grades, bad grades, and you know, mass testing. And we basically then get into this new mentality of, I got to know facts. I got to memorize facts. I got to know more than you, okay? And then that's, that's, that's how I'm going to be successful. That's how I define myself. That's why I got A's in class. And then you go into the workplace and then it even is, you know, more so like that. Don't make mistakes. Don't make mistakes, okay? You get, you know, don't disagree with your boss. Don't ask questions of the higher ups. Don't challenge things. Just do as you're told. Keep your head down. Be a good soldier and just march on. All right. All of that is going to be history. All right. And people are going to have to figure out in this new age. Okay. How do I have meaningful work? How do I have meaningful relationships? What does community mean? All of this stuff, but it goes back to we got to be more childlike. We got to basically bring out that joy of discovery, exploration, and reduce fear. Yeah, reduce fear. Yeah, and if if that the fear of being judged, then uh, doesn't allow us to be explorer anymore when we are older because people are, you know, it's easier to point the finger against something than actually say, okay, let's, let's, before, before you mentioned something that I wanted to, to jump on, but you were doing a great um, conversation about that. So I didn't want to stop you on, on your process, but you were said, you said yes. And instead of yes, but so even there, you know, building, building on top of something to, to expand and explore rather than stop it. Yes. And I'll do yes and again. Yes and you're spot you're spot on. And and people are fearful of making mistakes. So they're fearful of not being right. They're fearful of looking bad. They're fearful of not being liked. Okay? So if I if I think you're wrong on something and you know and we're not close friends, you know, I'm going to be but I want you to like me because, you know, everybody wants to be liked. Maybe I'm not going to ask the question. Maybe I'm going to basically say, well, I don't know about that, but I, I don't want him to get mad at me. And so, you know, peer, people can be fearful of lots of things. All right. Uh, fearful of retaliation if they ask a question of their boss. And sometimes that fear is realistic. Okay. All right. Um, so it's, it's, but it, Fear is an emotion and fear is 
our response to trying to basically protect ourselves. And so looking bad, not being liked, not being part of the in crowd, making mistakes, being called out for mistakes, being humiliated, all of that stuff. And basic, basically, that's why the work environment has got to become much more humanistic to enable that. That's why you find in uh, kindergartens around the world or Montessori schools a different type of methodology of teaching, etc. And uh, uh, to young people, to you know, there's there's no you know, so long as you're so long as you're trying to learn and being respectful of other people, you know. There are no mistakes. There are surprises. You change the word mistake to surprise. All right. I yep. learned that from Intuit. I did a chapter of a study of Intuit some years ago when they were putting in their innovation system. And the senior leadership said, look, get rid of the word mistakes. You can't use that word in Intuit anymore. Basically, you had a hypothesis. I mean, you had an idea and you thought this would work. You went out and tried it, and you were surprised at the result because it didn't work. So from now on, the word mistake is X'd out, and it's a surprise. What surprised you? What did you learn from that surprise? What did you do with that information? Oh, I tried something differently, and what happened? Well, that didn't work either, but I tried something else, and that did work. And that's the iteration, and that's the that's the, and and that changes the the emotional thing from mistake, which means I did something bad, to surprise. Wow, this is fun. We we you know we learned something. This is new. What does that mean? It, it, it changes it from almost fear to more like excitement, joy. I mean, if you like solving problems or learning, it's like you know. I mean, it's cool to go learn new things. Everyone, everyone is gonna be happy when they make a discovery. I mean, um, you got you got the pride of being the first. Maybe you're not the first, but being arrived, achieved that by yourself or by the community of that. Um, yeah. You know, this you you mentioned uh, before when we were discussing before starting the the podcast um, about the the timing with the book and the COVID nineteen that you know to some extent um, affected the the, the book, but. To me, actually, it was a perfect timing to, to release, you know, such a concept in this period when everyone has to, to, to adapt, to explore a new way of living and working. So um, what, what, what you just said about being an explorer of something new, people have to, to change the way of working, their way of living. So it's very interesting to see how maybe by by the effect and the result of how the world has changed so far. Um, maybe in the society, I, I don't know, I'm, it's just a hope that society is going to change to, instead of judging, it's more a hypothesis, so you're not making mistakes. But, you know, yeah. let's, let's try this and, and move forward and learn from that. Yes, and, and, and yes, and I completely agree. Let's let's try things and let's. I, I say in my my in, in the book, and I've been saying it for years. Almost everybody's got to basically be a little scientist. All right, you say I think this. All right, 
I believe this, if I do X, Z will happen. Okay, I tried, Z didn't happen. Then what did I learn? And so, but it's also, part of it is also having respect for the scientific method, but also to be factually driven, to go out and get good data and know how much data you need and is it good data? What's the source of it? Is it reputable? So everybody is in, in personal relationships. It's going to be different type of data. And so this, this ability to be able, you know, the, the tagline on the book is, you know, it has the word adapt in. We all are having to adapt because of COVID-19. And I have written pretty extensively that we're not going to go back, especially in the workplace, to the old normal, all right? Um, people are, are learning that, that they can be very efficient and, and work from their homes or basically not travel as much and et cetera. And, 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 but they can also be very productive because they can have more of a home life and do their work, all right? And, um, and so there's lots of things that's, not, that's in fact, you know, at some point in time, someone's not going to ring a bell and say, okay, everything's over. COVID is solved, which it's, that's going to be a long time. But, okay, let's go back to the, everything the way it was. That's not going to happen. And so we're already now, COVID has propelled us into this digital age change faster than we would have been propelled. And I think the changes are going to continue to happen, especially in the business world, which is going to require people to become more highly adaptive, hyper-learning, uh, and do start doing the hard work, which we humans have to do, and that is taking ownership of what goes on inside of us, okay? Our mind, our emotions, our body reactions, and to take ownership of our behaviors and basically learn, if you will, for many people, a new way of being, a, a new way of approaching the world where we have to own, okay, yep. own ourselves and, uh, and manage our thinking and manage our emotions and be a better listener and learn how to collaborate. And, and this reminds me of something that I read on of your work in, in, in the last months, in, in, in the last years uh, about becoming the, the best of ourselves, but not from an individualistic point of view, from a collaborative point of view. And um, I like I like basketball. I like I don't know when when I'm doing the the this podcast um, all the time. There is um, a correlation between what we're talking to explorer. Um, we talk about Alex Arnold uh, last episode or uh, basketball or sports. So. When, when I listen to, to you describing the best of ourselves, he reminds me um, the team of uh, the Bulls in, uh, with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, yes. and, and Rodman. And it was fascinating. I was actually watching The Last Dance uh, at that period when I, when I found your um, comment on, on the best of ourselves. And that team remind me what you describe. You know, there is a team of people that together they want to win something, but everyone is playing 
in the way they play. Otherwise, you can't change the way of someone. Otherwise, the team is not working. So right. tell me more about the best of ourselves. That That's fascinating. I, I love that, that things. The, the, the journey to best self is... Yeah. Uh, is what I invite people to join in the book, and and that's that's the journey to inner peace, and that's where we take ownership of what's going on inside of our body, ownership of our mind, and we'll start with mind. We have a mind, and most people's mind is all the time working. All right, the research shows that we can be talking, and average people will be thinking about 50% of the time about something else. They'll either be, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll role play here because I know you're professionally trained not to do this, all right? All right, so this is not personal. But you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm talking to an average person, all right, and if they're basically either thinking about what their answer is gonna be or thinking about why I'm wrong or maybe they're thinking about the last meeting or maybe they're thinking about something going on in their personal life, but there's a good chance, at least 50% chance, they're not listening, truly listening to me, all right? So our mind likes to wonder and people don't understand that we can train our mind. We can take ownership of our mind. And the first aspect of inner peace is a quiet mind, being able to control your mind so I am totally focused, okay, on listening to you and inside of me, I'm quiet. There's no one talking to me. I'm not critiquing myself. I'm not critiquing you, okay? If something comes through, I just focus harder on listening to you and it goes away real quick so that I'm able to be highly focused. That allows me to perceive the world in a much better way, all right? Uh, a much fuller way, all right? So quiet mind, quiet ego. I've learned how to define myself through mindsets so I don't identify with what I know. I don't have to be, I'm not in competition with you. My biggest competition is me, mm -hmm. all right? If I, if I achieve what I can do to manage myself, what I call inner peace, okay, I will be very successful. I will be happy. I will have relationships and I will want you to do the same thing because is we're going to get to the point where most everything going forward is going to be done in small teams because the science is clear. We're suboptimal learners and we can't learn at our best by ourselves. We need others to learn. It's going to be small teams working. It's going to be me basically saying, hey, I'm thinking about this. What am I missing? What, 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 what am I missing? What do you, what do you, what do you think? I, what, what doesn't feel right to you? And I, I truly want to know that. Okay. I want you to help me and I want to help you. And if we basically have a relationship where I trust you, that you care about me and you want me to be as successful as you want to be and vice versa, you're going to help me. And that's your small basketball teams with, you know, when the, with the players on the court. I trust that you're basically, you know, going to help me be all I can be and vice versa. And once we get that type of trust built and that we care about each other for the common purpose, what happens? We get into, well, since you're using basketball, I call it the state of flow. When, 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 
Michael Jordan gets in the state of flow, all right, and, and playing basketball, he sort of loses all awareness of everything. He is just totally invested in what he's doing, and it's happening almost automatically. You lose sense of time. And great basketball players I've talked to, they'll tell you, we see where the play is going before it's going there and go to the right place, all right? And you've read that, I'm sure, from Michael Jordan and, and other people. And that is the state of flow that athletes can get into or people that are um, musicians. When you're, you're so involved and you're so quiet and focused on the task, it, it's just time flies by and I'm all in. My whole body, everything's into my violin or my bat or me shooting the basketball. It's just all flowing, okay? And where the goal here is, is to my inner peace, quiet mind, quiet ego, be able to understand what's going on in my body and manage my body, manage my heart rate, manage my temperature, manage my emotional reactions so I'm calm, I'm still, I'm quiet, all right? So I can basically then have great conversations with you or great basketball with you and get to the point where collectively we have collective flow because the science is crystal clear. Collective intelligence is far greater than your intelligence or my intelligence. So that's why we need other people. I need your intelligence. And if we get two or three other people that we care about and trust and we have four or five people, then we've got something special, all right? Then we can solve problems, we can explore, we can discover, we can win championships, whatever the, the theme is. And so it all goes back to this, how I bring myself to the table, how do I come to table, how do I go to work each day? What's my daily intentions? How do I want to behave today? What am I working on? Well, I wanna be kind, I wanna be caring, I want to be a good listener. I don't want to interrupt people. I want to basically be additive instead of basically defensive. So I'm going to learn how to say yes and instead of yes but, okay? I'm going to be cognizant of my emotions. And when I feel myself getting either riled up or angry, I'm going to take two or three deep Calm my body down. Okay, I'm in a calmer position. Now, let's start this. So you take ownership of what's going inside. If my emotions, if I'm, if I'm getting angry, I have learned. If, I'm, if I feel myself getting uh, angry, think about something different. Think differently, cognitively. Okay, that didn't work. Oh, think about somebody you care about. All right. Think about somebody that came into your mind. You'd smile. All right. So, you know, example, you know, think about your significant other. Think about a child. Think about your pet, whatever. But basically stop that emotion before it overtakes you. And emotions basically get translated automatically into behaviors because you are your behaviors. Good intentions are not enough. You are your behaviors. So this whole thing about taking ownership of your inner world so that you can go out into the outer world and form and be part of a great team like your basketball team because you're not selfish. 
it's not all about you, okay? And you know that if, if you do your job and your teammates do your job, everybody's going to win. And so this competition stuff, survival of the fittest stuff, which we have in the United States, all of that stuff goes in the trash can because it's teams. It's not individuals anymore. And um, there was a common phrase in the, in the past month that we are indeed all together. Yes. So um, why, why fight against things that we can actually work on that together? But you mentioned two things really important, uh, inner self and outer self, you know. Um, and this, this exercise, this hyper-learning, it's quite challenging from, from an individual perspective because then you need to face what's outside and what's outside is the competition because culture is very hard to change and takes very long time to change. So is, <clears throat> is this change in organization, in business, you know, in, in, in the outside world should come from the top to bottom or, or from the bottom to top or, you know, how can we embrace this hyper learning in, um, from a societal point of view where, you know, I can, um, I can make, I don't think that you're going to judge me because, you know, if we meet for the first time, I have that suspicious that you're going to judge me because that's our society for the majority is working. So, you know, how can we change this from a societal point of view inside organizations? A couple of things will help change it. You're quite correct, culture. So from a societal viewpoint, you know, a culture of, of if you will, of otherness, a humanistic culture, all right? Humanistic culture. There's umpteen billion people in the world, all right? And every person has a heart, every person has a mind, every person has a body, every person wants to be happy in their own way, and every person doesn't want to suffer. So we're all alike. If you go, go to the basics, and we're all going to die. Okay? So we're all alike. Okay. So why do I have to compete with you? And if you go back at least to our ancestors, all right, all the way back to when our ancestors used to live in the trees in Africa and swing from trees and then the uh, nature erupted the ground and basically the rainforest was destroyed and they had to basically leave the rainforest and go into the savanna of the plains, all right? And what did they find in the plains? They found big animals, all right? Fast animals, but big animals, which were lots of meat, all right? And they learned that those big animals were fast and could even eat them people. So what did they have to do? They had to form teams, groups, okay? And some people go out hunting for the animals. Some people go out hunting for vegetables. But whatever you, the group gets comes back and gets shared in the group because they learned that if I go out and hunt for an animal and don't find one, and you do, I come home and I and my family don't have dinner and you have dinner, but tomorrow you may not find one. So collaboration became mission critical for us humans, our ancestors and us humans to evolve. And we have got to go back to that. 
concept of basically collaboration and cooperation instead of competition at all cost. All right. Now, will there be some people that are better at jobs than other people? Of course. Well, then you basically play to your strengths. Or everyone realizes everyone is not going to have the same capabilities. So long as you're doing the best you can, you should be rewarded fairly. It doesn't mean everybody has to be rewarded the same, but fairly, all right? Very human approach to it. And so it starts with culture. So let's go to the workplace. The best way for it to do is to start at the top and have those have leaders adopt this approach and, and start learning how to behave in ways which enable it and create a system, all right? A system based on psychological principles and put in place practices as to how we're going to work every day. I mean, I have companies I work with that every day before every meeting, no matter whether it's a meeting of three people, five people, 20 people, 50 people or whatever, okay, they start off every meeting the same way. Check in. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Where are you emotionally? Okay. Three to five minute meditation. Then we have rules of engagement. Okay. Yes and, not yes but. Listen to learn, not to confirm, etc. And they go through that every day. And that increases the chances of people being in the right state to basically get to the right way of being, which gets to the answers. So the best way is, and that, need, that can be top-down driven. In organizations where managers have some, if you will, flexibility, can you as a manager and you have a team of five people create your own little mini culture? Yes, you can. Let's all get together and talk about how do we want to basically, how can we really excel? All right. Help each other excel. What would that look like? And you can take parts of the book and say, let's all, let's all come to agreement. How are we going to behave when we work together? We got, okay, we make up our, our rules and we hold each other accountable to. And we get feed. How's it work? This is, we're really knocking the cover off the ball. Okay, let's keep at it. And then maybe somebody takes that to the next team and they convince their manager, etc. Then at the simplest level, the individual work, you can do the individual work on yourself, irrespective of what other people are doing. And so long as you don't try to, uh, you know, be overbearing. So long as your individual work, you don't think I'm getting much better than everybody else. I'm going to show them and it goes to your ego. And so you go in and say, you know what? I'm, I meditated 20 minutes this morning. How much did you meditate And making it a competition? So long as you basically say you keep quiet and you basically improve your performance and people will start saying, wow, you know, your game, you've taken your game to higher level. How'd you do it? Well, you know, I tried these things. Oh, does that work? Yeah, you should try it. I'll help you. You know, I'll help you and show you how to do it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And so it can be, it can come from the bottom up. It can come from the top down. And where it really works is, is that when it, when it basically it's coming both ways. All right. Because you need, you need, you need the bottom embracing it if the top wants to do it. But it's a heck of a lot easier in the workplace when senior leadership buys in 100% and role models the behavior and holds themselves to the same high standards they hold you to and works on a culture that is psychologically safe. 
works on a culture that's an idea meritocracy, creates a culture that, if you will, is a uh, is a, a very humane, positive, emotional culture where people are not berated and 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 cursed at, or people are not you know all the political games that go on in big companies. All that's got to go in the trash can. All of politics in a trash can. Let's be open and honest. Treat each other fairly, but with dignity, human dignity, human dignity. Fantastic. Um, it's been a pleasure, Ed. Um, I learn. I personally learn a lot from from just chatting with you for for this. Um, yeah, I hope people that li- would listen to the podcast would go and get the the book and learn more about hyper learning. You know, the concept of being explorer. Even though we are adult, um, we we never stop learning. We actually need to to embrace learning and uh, and change. Um, yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank thank you. It's great great conversation. Uh, I, I've enjoyed enjoyed being with you and learning from you. And you know, and you're you're an explorer. And I wish you all the best on your continued explorations. The briefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences, and dreams. 